Well, good morning, New Life Manitou uh, Springs. You're supposed to add springs on the end. True Manitoids like Manitou Springs. Uh, springs, yes. So, uh, good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. My name's Brett. I'm a pastor with New Life uh, at large. I'm uh, on staff at Friday night. And uh, the, uh, Dr. Joe Kirkendall is not here. Uh, he and his wife, Erica, um, are out of town this weekend. So, you're stuck with me this morning. And so, oh, woo, woo. Um, <laughs> really uh, oddly self-serving so it's um anyway uh glad that you have joined us if you're joining us online thank you uh i am going let's go ahead and stand together we'll read just a brief text we'll pray and then we'll jump right in um our text today um that we're reflecting on comes out of uh the fourth gospel uh john chapter 14 starting in verse 8 philip said lord He's talking to Jesus here. He said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we ask that by the grace imparted, by the power of your spirit, you would come and speak good news to us this morning. We have heard lots of bad news this week, and we have heard and experienced lots of bad news over the course of our lives. We've even embodied it in the darkness and sin and corruption that we have um, spread in the world and spread into other people's lives. And um, we're sorry, we humbly repent. And um, we ask that you would um, reveal the good news of what you're like this morning. Sustain us for the journey through these words. And that's not something I can accomplish. That's something you have to do. And so we say, Together, right now we say, come, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirits. Gather our scattered senses and make us awake to your presence here in this place right now. Thank you that you are going to. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we love you. Come and speak for your children are listening. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen and amen. Um, you guys can be seated. Um, when was the last time you tried to explain to somebody what something is? We do this a lot. Um, we have to explain not just how to do something, but like what something actually is. Maybe uh, it's a simple, uh, first thing I thought of is like picking somebody up at the airport. I haven't done that in a long time, but it was the first thing that came to mind. Um, like you're having to explain to somebody like what your car is. You know, you know you're looking for, you're going to come out and you're going to look for, I, I, I'm in a gray hatchback. I'm not really, but like it sounded convincing, didn't it? I'm in a gray hatchback. Look for the gray hatchback. And then... Uh, 
you're, so you're clarifying what kind of car you're driving, but then if they needed clarification on it, you'd say, you don't know what a hatchback is. Okay, well, uh, a hatchback, it's got this like thing on the back and uh, well, it's, it looks different than a normal sedan. Well, and sometimes like a picture is just like worth a thousand words. It's like that one on the right, that's a hatchback. Somebody in the room may have just learned what a hatchback is, but it's that, it's the one with the big green check mark on it. It's not a sedan, you're looking for this. Sometimes it's helpful when you're explaining something to someone just to show them a picture of what it is you're looking for. Um, my uh, girls are at the wonderful age where uh, they are, um, well, they're kind of out of it. They know a lot of most of the animals at this point, but you go through a phase of parenthood where you're explaining to them what animals are. And something odd, like a a platypus, well, a platypus is really weird, like <laughs> freakish, like brought into the fall or something, you know, it's like, what happened there? So like a penguin, that's n- not so freakish. And you're trying to explain to them like what a penguin is. And you can use a lot of words to try to explain what a penguin is. It's kind of like a bird, but it doesn't fly and it's kind of sleek. Like, and it swims, but it's a lot easier if you just drive over to Cheyenne Mountain and like walk over to the penguin exhibit and they're like walking around. In the, have you guys been there? It's amazing, this penguin exhibit. They're like, you, they're like there. Um, and you could say that, that is a penguin. Um, it's, it's nice. This is how we learn everything in life, by the way. It's funny, we don't remember learning most of what we know, but my girls actually... They were in an age just a few years ago where it was like we were explaining what water is. You know, like this, the clear stuff, and it's splashy and, and, and wet. Your hands feel funny after. That's called water. Is like, like we all learned this at, at some point. A few, uh, this is my last example, but it's, I, I think it's the best one. You guys will enjoy it. Um, it was like a week ago. It was a week ago today is what it was. Uh, my five-year-old, Daisy, um, was, heard older sister, Daphne, six-year-old, asking, uh, Daphne was talking about slinkies. Slinkies, 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 slinkies. And then my five-year-old said, um, what these words came out of her mouth. And I felt like I failed as a parent. <laughs> what is a slinky? <laughs> And I said, well, and you know what we happen to have in the house? We happen to have a slinky. <laughs> it's a slinky. And it's the most underrated toy, I would say. It's, it really is. If you haven't played with one as an adult, come up here afterwards and you'll, uh, it really is quite satisfying. But it's very difficult to explain. If I was trying to explain to my five-year-old Daisy like what a slinky is with just words, just trying to abstract it, well, you'd say it's, well, it's a circle, it's kind of like a circle, but it's, uh, but it's a stretchy circle, you know? And then it's like, well, no, it's not soft, even though it's stretchy. It's actually, it's actually quite firm. It's, it doesn't have much give to it. It's kind of like this big metal spiral that you can play with. Doesn't that sound fun, five-year-old? A big metal spiral that you can play with. Like, but the, the words don't make it sound fun. Do they? Like, you're, you're like, oh, I don't know, quite understand what it is until the moment when I handed Daisy the slinky. And then she's like, and there's just like a smile on her face. Like the immediacy, the clarity of it. Oh, this is what it is. 
It's a slinky. What a, we're in a series right now. Um, we're talking about who is God. And we've divided this up, New Life has, into three sections, um, as we believe the Godhead is mysteriously. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're in this second section right now until we get to Easter. And we were talking about who is God. And during this part, we're actually looking at a human being, which is very counterintuitive. We're looking at Jesus of Nazareth when we, when we ask the question, who is God? But for 2,000 years, this has been the fundamental foundational claim of the church is that Jesus of Nazareth is 100% God, as we've heard Dr. Joe talking about it. He's 100% God, and he's 100% human. Like the great mystery, in case you've missed it, is that, 100% whatever God is, God became 100% human in Jesus. And this is really good news. The, the author of Hebrews writes this whole like grand sweeping like sermon on this, emphasizing that Jesus is one of us. He's one of us. He's a, he's a high priest who like carries us to God and he can empathize with us. He, he knows what, God knows what it's like to be human in all our frailty and weakness. God became 100% human, like body and soul and personality and desire, like all of it. 100% human, so that God can save 100% of our humanity, is what the church has said and wrestled through for, for centuries. Jesus is 100% human. We can lose sight of that. But I want to, this morning, what I want to do is I want to turn the telescope around, and I want to look at it through the other end of it, just for a just a couple minutes this morning, the other side of the coin, as it were. Uh, Jesus is 100% human, and Jesus is 100% God. What kind of God are we talking about that's willing to become human? That's a, that's a really good, like, what does that tell us about God? I remember when I was 20 or 21, somewhere around in there, I worked in a pharmacy for so many, it was almost two, it was almost two decades. You, some of you know I was working in a pharmacy when I met you. Um, and I had a coworker walk up to me at one point and she genuinely, it wasn't a gotcha question, it was genuinely, she was asking for clarification on something. Hey, Brett, I know you grew up in church. I know you're like a preacher's kid and you've heard like all the Sunday school lessons and you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon. Uh, I just need a point of clarification. Christians believe that Jesus is God, Right? It's a simple question. I'm very proud to tell you that I answered correctly. I said yes. <laughs> I said yes. Gold star for me, right? Um, but I've been in church for so long and heard so many sermons, and yet in my heart, I had a little bit of a question mark when I was answering that. It was like, yes? Huh? I don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but like, have any of you guys ever felt this? Of like, Jesus is God. Are we? <laughs> because in, if my own experience is any guide on this, it's possible to be around the church a whole lot and to still, for decades even, and to still be fuzzy 
on some of the really, really, really essential things that we're talking about in the, in the confessing as Jesus's church. And so since we're in a series called Who is God? I want to try to like talk about God and I want to be as crystal clear as, I want to be, make it like slinky simple for us this morning. I want to hand us the slinky and say like, this is it. Um, that's what I want to say. I'm going to put that down because I'll play with it the whole time. Um, I want to try to say as clearly as possible what we can say with confidence about God so that we can maybe remember it on our drive home, but maybe remember it and let it work on us for the rest of our lives. So we need to say it this way. The human, Jesus of Nazareth, is God. The human, Jesus of Nazareth, is God. God is Christ-like. God is Christ-like. We read just a moment ago, it's this profound moment in the fourth gospel. Philip has been following Jesus around for years. And finally, like hours before the crucifixion, he just blurts out like, could you just show us God? <laughs> like you're, you're a person that like seems to like, you, could you show us the one you pray to? The one you call father? That'll be enough for us. Please just show us what God is like. And Jesus's answer, I don't know if it's if the profundity, if the, the, the holy, remarkable nature of it has sunk in with us, he says to him, if you have seen me, Philip, the father is not going to surprise you. We're the spitting image of each other. Our, our personality assessments are exactly the same. Like you print out the report and it's like Myers-Briggs. It's like they're all like lining up all the, you know, the same. It's like if they're taking the Enneagram test, they're like both lining up on the same number. Side note, if we're if, if for an Enneagram joke, I think they're both a seven. Huh? Huh? huh. It's not my best. Um, don't worry, there's more coming. Not Enneagram jokes. Anyway, um, we score exactly the same is the point. We've got the same values. We've got the same priorities. We've got the same personality, as, as it were, if we could talk about that with God. It's not, it is not like Jesus is the wild and crazy hippie of the Trinity. You know what I mean? That he's like just constantly bringing home, you know, parade of tax collectors and prostitutes while the father's over in the corner just rolling his eyes, <laughs> you know, like, look, oh, so we invited these sinners into the house. Golly, um, these sinners actually have the gall to, like, had, did they even wipe their feet when they, when they came in? Because, like, they actually had the gall to, they've tracked some sin into the house. My goodness. And suddenly, like, the father's roaring, like, out, out, yeah, my eyes are too pure to look on sin. And look what you've brought. I'm too holy to have that in my house. And then you've got Jesus like talking the father off the ledge a little bit. Like, hey, could you just let them stay? You know, like, could they stay in that? I know they brought some sin in, but like, we can take care of that. I'll, you know, a little bit of blood, it'll come out, you know, the carpet re re really well. Like, we, we snicker or we don't because we're a little afraid. We're naming something 
that we all wonder about quietly deep in our hearts. And we don't talk about it with anybody else because it's such a fear that we're, we're very worried. Yeah, yeah, I really like Jesus. Yeah, geez, the whole Jesus story, that's great. But I'm a little worried about meeting his dad. Like, as if Jesus, as if Jesus is the nice one, but his father's like unapproachable in the backyard somewhere, like grumpy and disinterested and drinking the blood of bulls and goats while he's, you know, stoking the fire and barbecuing some sinners, you know, like that's what the father's like or something. No, no. If you have seen me, Jesus says, you have seen my father. My father is not going to surprise you. In fact, Jesus, earlier in John, he actually says it this way. These are the words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does... The son also does. Jesus is saying, everything I do, I learned how to do it from my father. Learned how to do it from my father. I love you. And so does my father. We could say it this way if we wanted to summarize what he's saying. The son gets every ounce of Christ-like from his father. God is Christ-like. The son, it's not like an anomaly, you know? The son got it from somewhere. Every ounce of Christ-like came from the father. Do you remember all those, Jesus would say, do you remember all those old men that were circled up around me and that poor half-naked woman? Yeah, the one that they caught in adultery and pulled her out in the street and threw her into the dirt. Yeah, and they all had rocks raised and ready to kill us both. But what? You remember, I defended her. I got down with her. I didn't let her be alone. I protected her. And I, I got down in the dirt with her and I shamed her attackers. And I invited her into a better life. I'll tell you where I, I learned to do that. I learned to do that from my dad. That's, that's what God is like. Do you, do you remember when I denounced religious hypocrisy. I know which time, right? But like when I, but that's, that's just the way that me and my dad are. We just can't stand it when people dress hatred up in religious clothing and call it of God, you know? Like, do you remember when I stood over the grave of dear Lazarus? Yeah, he's back. Like, but you remember he wasn't. And I stood over his grave and I wept over the brokenness and the pain of the world. I do that because my father does that. One of the reasons that I think that I have, that we all, because I think it's all of us, that we have like this lingering question mark when we answer, is Jesus God? Um, yes, is um, because we've got other ideas about what God is that aren't necessarily rooted in Jesus. We've, like they're rooted from culture, maybe something that a well-intended person told us when we were young, just ideas that are just kind of floating out there in the ether. We've got this idea, as much as we fight against it, we've got this idea of like big guy on the throne, you know, long white beard, that's kind of all you see. He's got a barrel of lightning bolts nearby, you know, ready for smiting, you know, just ready to just get us. 
And then we feel the tension with whatever kind of like definition we have floating out there of what God is. Omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. That's the other one. We feel all this tension of like this abstract definition that we have of God. And it feels like Jesus doesn't quite fit into that a lot of times. But according to the earliest Christians, we're reading one of their ancient documents right now. That's what we've got right here. Um, That's almost entirely backwards. That's almost entirely upside down. John's gospel actually opens by saying the one thing that we know with certainty about God is Jesus. That's the one thing we know with certainty. We know what we know about God only through Jesus. This is the way that John's gospel actually starts. John chapter one, starting in verse 18. No one has ever seen God. No one. But the only son, the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. If John is right, and I think he is, I I trust that he is, then the real approach has got to be, okay, I know who Jesus is. Oh man, my definition, the way that I think about, my muscle memory, the way that I think about God on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis doesn't line up with what I know about Jesus. I'm... Man, I must have really been misunderstanding the Hebrew scriptures. I must have really been misunderstanding the, the books of Moses or the scrolls of the prophets. Because, like, and how did Morgan Freeman's voice get attached to, to God? I don't know where that even came from. But like, goodness, I need to like do some erasing. I need to start erasing some of this stuff. And I need to start with Jesus as my foundation. That's where the muscle memory needs to be developed. Is God like Jesus? Because if we start with a wrong definition of what God, a wrong definition of anything, it's really difficult to course correct. (laughs) Even on like a brain level, like our neurons, just like we have to like engage in neuroplasticity. We have to start, like our brains have to start rewiring so that we, we think correctly about something. Imagine for a second, let's go back to the slinky. Everybody loves the slinky. It's an underrated toy. Um, imagine if my daughter heard about a toy, a toy, and then a slinky. Oh, and then she handed it. She was handed it, and she had a definition of toy, and she said, uh, this can't be a toy. It can't be a toy. The definition of a toy in all of my experience is something that has batteries and blinking lights. That's what a toy is. And so, like, where do the batteries go? (laughs) I don't know where they go. And then we took, it doesn't have batteries. It's a slinky, (laughs) you know? But yeah, but what powers the blinking lights? (laughs) It doesn't have blinking lights. It's a slinky, you know, that's, that's what it is. But I already know what a toy is. I already know what a toy is. This can't be a toy, is what you might say. And at that point, you'd say, okay, maybe you're starting with the wrong definition of what a toy is, if this is excluded. Maybe a toy is not something with batteries and blinking lights. Maybe a toy is just something you play with. 
what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, I think a lot of us have a, um, many of us are starting with the wrong working definition of what God is. What we, we should say it this way, what we mean by the word God must be continually reconfigured around Jesus. That's what Christians do. <laughs> we believe Jesus is God and he's revealing God. No one's ever seen God. And Jesus makes him known. In Jesus, God gives us the definition of what God is. God is indestructible life, bleeding love on enemies. On everyone, but enemies we need to name. <laughs> like, he's bleed. Father, forgive them. And the father's like, yes, already on it, son. They're executing him. Like, that's what God is like. I grew up in a tradition where um, the impression that God being Jesus, um, that seemed, there was a question mark there. It seemed too good to be true. It seemed too good to be true. Sure, Jesus shows up and sure he shows up in some Sunday school lessons and some of the stories of the Bible, but a lot of other things were said about God. A lot of other things were sung about God. You know, you got all kinds of stories in here. Isaiah coming into the temple and, you know, there, there's strange stories all in the Hebrew scriptures of like, what are we, what kind of being are we dealing with? God seems immense and high and lofty. He's too pure to look on sin according to Habakkuk. And yet Habakkuk goes on the very next minute of saying like, well, how is it that you've got sin all around you? Don't rip scripture out of context. God is, but he seemed growing up to me, he seemed distant and detached and like hidden away in the holy of holies, you know, and, and he might just decide to like kill a high priest, you know, and the bell stop ringing, you have to pull him out with a grope and we all are laughing about this in church and then we're going home and like laying in bed at night and like wondering, what is God? What is God like? If you've, uh, if it felt, to me, like you had a powerful, big, cranky, violent God, and then you've got a, some funny story about Jesus, kind of like stuck onto it, just kind of dangling there awkwardly, you know, somehow. It, it actually seemed like a side plot, you know, in the story of, the main story is of a violent, angry God. And the, the side plot actually did serve a purpose growing up. The side plot was killing Jesus is how this cranky, violent God could let us close to him, is the way that the story got told, which is not exactly the sort of thing that endears you to someone. <laughs> like, I really want to hang out with you now. You know, I couldn't stand you before, but now I decided to kill my son, so we're good now. You know, it's like, what are we doing? talking about here. As you don't have to raise your hands because I know that I, this is actually a really tender spot. But like, has anyone else ever been puzzled by this? Like, I'm not trying to be flippant or disrespectful with humor. I'm trying to lower our defenses a little bit. And what I'm actually trying to do is name a story that a lot of us have understood in a particular way. And that story, the way we've understood it, is actually in itself profoundly misunderstanding the actual character of God revealed in Jesus. 
Guys, I spent years of my life asking Jesus into my heart. Years of my life. Like every night. I, I went down the aisle at seven, prayed the prayer in a mess of tears and snot, like shaking, sobbing. I can remember doing it. The blue carpet on the, like, the, I can remember it. And then I spent years afterwards, night after night, really trying to believe it and really trying to mean it, wanting to make sure that I am on God's good side. Is what I'm doing. I I had this deep fear within me that I need to talk God into saving me. That somehow I need to opt in. I need to sign up for the newsletter. (laughs) I need to to opt in somehow to God's love. Sort of like one of the, it really is like a newsletter, like one of those websites that you fill out all the stuff and you fill out all your, you guys have done this. You filled out all your information and then you, you, well, you don't have a mouse anymore. You got the trackpad or whatever. And then you, you, you go down to the bottom and you hit submit and then the screen just, and you're like, wait a second. There's no green arrow. There's no like, or not green arrow, green check mark. There's nothing to confirm that like it took. And you're like, was well, that it? Do I need to resubmit it again? I don't know, because this isn't some newsletter that we're signing up for. Like, I'm afraid of the father barbecuing sinners in the, in the backyard. And I don't want to, I don't want, God help me. God help us. Like, I don't want that. I don't want that after I, after I die. I didn't ask him to be here. And I was like, and what do I have to do to, to talk God into saving me? And so I walk down the aisle and I'm shaking and sobbing. I click submit and I'm, and, well, is that it? Is that, is that all I needed to do? And then again and again, I'm resubmitting the form, like laying in bed at night, you know, with my covers. I can remember just staring at the ceiling, asking God again. I'm in the bathtub. I'm asking God again. You know, I, it's prayer after prayer, prayer the prayer, trying to persuade God to save me. I think ultimately trying to talk God into liking me. I think it's what's like at the, it's, it's a question about what is God like? And I've sat across from a lot of you and I've heard the exact same story. The details are different, but, it, but it's the same story and it's the same question marks, you know? Like, and so we need to name this morning, we need to make it Slinky simple, and I just need to name something that Holy Spirit give us faith to believe. And it's this, God's singular and unwavering posture toward you is affection devoted to your good. That is God's unwavering posture towards you. It is affection devoted towards your good. Love, God loves you. We, we don't opt in to God's love. We wake up to it. You don't opt in, you just wake up. Oh, this is the universe I live in. God is not cranky. God is not violent. God is not hateful. No, how do I know that? When God tells his own story most clearly, when God becomes a human being to show us what God is like, what kind of life do you get? You get the life of Jesus. 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. No one's seen God, but the Son has shown us. We get somebody who's not like, oh, that sin over there, I cannot look upon it. I can't be near it. No, he's like shoulder to shoulder bustling through a crowd and his purity is not keeping him distant from sinners. No, his purity is actually like spilling out of him into the crowd. It's stopping the bleeding of our souls is what it is making us whole. We're not infecting him. He's infecting us. That's what God is like. God sees us in the synagogue, withered and hurting, and tells us your sins are forgiven. You didn't ask. I'm just telling you. Your sins are forgiven, and your future has hope. That's what God is like, my friends. It's good news. God meets us in a graveyard, in the place of death. We're chained up, and we're naked, and we're oppressed oppressed by evil, and we're not even asking for help here. We're actually, we're hateful towards God. And God arrives committed to breaking our chains and to making us whole and putting us in our right mind. That is what God is like, my friends. It's like Jesus. And yes, yes, God, judgment, yes, God does turn over tables in our lives, in my life. He turns over tables when I become hateful and hardened, especially by religion. But he only turns over my tables of hate so that he can teach us at his table of love and feed us. That's the whole point. We watch the life of Jesus and he's serving and he's giving and he's inviting everybody and then he keeps going down, 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 humiliating himself. God, humiliate, like to the point of like death, even death on a cross until he joins us in our chains, naked and bleeding and dying in darkness. And God says, if this is where you are, I'll be there too. And he's crying out the the human question, the question that all of us ask so many times. He's crying out in the end, God, where are you? Jesus has joined us even in our place of doubt, even in our place of confusion, even in our place of questioning God. And then, this is the great mystery, he joins us in oblivion itself, in death itself, because he says, there is no place where you will go where I will not go to. I will chase you down in my love. And once I catch you, I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to make you live. You're going to live. You're going to live. The story doesn't end in death. I keep chasing. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and it's going to catch you. And Jesus learned every single bit of this from his father. Hear the gospel, my friends, this morning. Hear it. It's really good news. Jesus really is God. God really is like Jesus. It's not too good to be true. God's love is not like a faucet that we somehow turn on and get the love flow. No, God's love is a waterfall that we're living under every moment of our lives. And all you have to do is recognize that you're under it. You don't opt in. You wake up, you open up, and it floods you. How do we know this? We look at Jesus. 
because if you've seen him, you've seen the Father.